0: Welcome to the Horror Geek Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa. I'm the founder and editor-in-chief of HorrorGeekLife.com. And joining me on this episode is the head editor of Horror Geek Life, Jeremy Dick. Hi, Jeremy. How are you doing?
1: I'm good. Thanks for having me back.
0: Yeah, no problem. I'm glad to have you. So the Horror Geek Life Podcast has been away for a little while. We've kind of taken a hiatus. And I'm really glad, though, to be back. And I'm especially glad to be relaunching the week of Halloween so, are you ready for Halloween, Jeremy?
1: I'm excited, yes. I have a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles onesie I'm going to wear.
0: <laughs> Perfect. Which which uh, Ninja Turtle?
1: It's Leonardo, but that's because it's all they had. I'd have gotten Michelangelo if, uh, if he was available.
0: Right. Well, that's pretty cool. I'm actually not dressing up. I haven't dressed up for Halloween. Ugh. In years. Like, that's really embarrassing to admit. But, you know, I wear Halloween things. I wear like the earrings and tights and shirts, but I just don't ever wear a costume. I I guess I'm just too lazy for it, unfortunately. However, I did do something really cool over the weekend. I'm out here in Texas, and we have a place called Screams, which is in Waxahachie, Texas. And it is amazing. It's like this giant Halloween amusement park. You pay one price. You have like five different haunted houses. You have a cemetery walk. You have scary hokey, which is as bad as it sounds. And you have pubs and food and all of that. So I did do that over the weekend to kind of make up, I guess, for not dressing up. <laughs> but it was a lot of fun.
1: Now, I haven't been to a haunted house in years, but we don't have anything like that in Ohio, but we do have the haunted prison, which is basically the, the prison they shot the Shawshank Redemption in transformed into a, a haunt with you know ghosts jumping out of the cells and everything. It's worth going once at least.
0: That's fun. So since we're relaunching the week of Halloween, I thought it was only appropriate to talk about a whole lot of Halloween stuff. Um, of course, the main topic is going to be the new Halloween movie, which we'll get to in a minute. And we've both seen it. We both have things we really want to talk about with it. But we'll get to that in just a second. First up, let's talk about some things that we covered on Horror Geek Life over the last week or so. Halloween three got a fan film sequel this week. And Jeremy, you were the one that brought that news um, to horror geek life. And we kind of thought it was going to be something just fun to throw out there. And it went crazy So many people responded to this article about a Halloween three fan film sequel, which is kind of surprising considering so many people hate on it all the time. But did you actually get to watch the fan film, which it came out for free on YouTube a couple of days ago and it's called return of the witch. Did you get to check that out yet?
1: Yeah, I watched it the the day it came out. It's pretty insane. It's ridiculously over the top is how I describe it. But at the same time, it's, It's entertaining. I mean, it's funny, I guess.
0: So the story follows the grandsons of Chalice and Cochrane, and uh, all of these years later. And for whatever reason, even though Silver Shamrock killed a whole bunch of kids, because in this story they did. Of course, we never saw in Halloween 3 actually happen. Apparently, Silver Shamrock is coming back and people are really excited to have Silver Shamrock mask come back all of these years later, even though they killed children. Completely implausible. Yeah, you know, I thought it was really funny that while they're talking about Silver Shamrock, um, it's the grandson of Cochran standing in a crowd talking about how he's carrying on his legacy, his family legacy. And I'm pretty sure that the audience they cut to was like a Trump (laughs) rally audience because they all had red hats on. (laughs) I
1: I can tell it was taken from the news somewhere, but...
0: (laughs) I don't know. And of course, you know, they, they come out saying, Oh, we're really good. Now we're, we're going to release our products with integrity and honor. And then secretly they're like, Oh, we're going to kill everybody, which isn't so much a plot twist, I guess.
1: And what's funny is they have the grandson of uh, Dr. Chalice and they actually use the voice of Tom Atkins clearly without his permission. They've taken audio from other films and inserted it into the film to make it sound like he's talking to his grandson on the phone. Yeah, I found that pretty funny.
0: <laughs> yeah, I did, too. I, I thought it was really funny to start hearing his voice. And um, and of course, the grandson is trying to rally him up to go and fight the evil that's happening. And uh, he doesn't really do that. So he instead, well, I'll leave it spoiler free. But that's free on YouTube. Uh, if you're a fan of Halloween three and want to check this out.
1: It's clearly a love letter to the film because they do use the actual masks. From the film and they, the music, you know, the iconic silver shamrock tune is in the the movie. So it will make you nostalgic for the original film, but at the same time, it's about 500 times as crazy as the original film was.
0: Yes. (laughs) So other news that we covered is Burger King's nightmare burger, which they claim is scientifically proven to give you nightmares. I have not tried this myself. I can't bring myself to do it. If you haven't seen it, it has a green bun. And it's pretty much a Whopper with a chicken patty. And it's just, you know, the green freaks me out a little bit. And I think people's pictures that they're posting on social media is freaking me out even more.
1: I actually wanted to try the burger when I saw the ad. But once I saw people posting pictures of it on social media, it kind of changed my mind where the tint of the green bun, it's not it's not how it's pictured in the ad. We can put it that way. It looks like they pulled it from a dumpster or something. Yeah, (laughs) I, I don't think I can bring myself to eat it either.
0: Well, you know, I sent you a picture of it and because you had covered this news as well. And I sent you a picture of someone posting on Instagram what it actually looked like. And you sent me back you sent me back a picture of homer simpson from the episode where he has that sandwich that he keeps eating for days even though it's completely rotten and he pulls it out of the trash and it's green and disgusting and he's like caressing his sandwich and you sent me a picture of that and i died because yes that absolutely <laughs> nails
1: that's what it looks like yes. That's how I'd feel eating it. So.
0: Yeah, and you know, I've asked people who have tried it, who have posted that they've tried it. I've asked them if they've had any nightmares, and no nightmares have been reported. So maybe you just have to be more sensitive to food induced nightmares. I'm not really sure, but none reported so far.
1: That's good. So no fatalities either?
0: No, not right. yet. <laughs> okay. So we had a really cool interview this week on Horror Geek Life. And uh, one of our writers, Zach, he actually talked to director Todd Sheets. Todd Sheets is super known kind of in the uh, the SOV movement, the, the shot on video movement. He's very well known to VHS collectors, and he has some new films coming out, which are getting really good reviews. We've even reviewed one here recently, uh, Bone Hill Road, and that's a werewolf film. I love werewolf films, especially when they use practical effects, which he did. And Zach, who also reviewed Bone Hill Road, gave it a really good review and he really enjoyed the practical effects and transformation and the story. Todd Sheets is also making the rounds right now with this upcoming film, Clownado. And it sounds insane. It seems like it's going to be uh, just as insane as it sounds. And it's actually not like Sharknado, like the title would suggest. It's actually a film noir that is uh, about killer clowns and a giant storm. And I think there's like supernatural stuff. I mean, it just seems off the wall nuts. And I can't wait to see it.
1: Clownado looks absolutely insane, by the way. It looks even crazier than it sounds.
0: It really does. Every time he puts out new pictures, I'm like, oh, okay, wait, what? I actually backed the crowdfunding campaign, and I'm really excited to uh, to get my perks and, and to check that out. But we got to talk to Todd Sheets, and it's a really interesting read. I mean, he has been making films since the late 80s, and he's just kind of weathered all of the storms of, you know, kind of going from like the VHS days to what we have now, you know, digital and stuff. He's really been through it. He has so many films under his belt. And if you're a filmmaker, it's a really fun read. And honestly, even if you're not because I'm not a filmmaker. I'm not interested in making films. And I actually thought that everything he said was really fun to read. Definitely check that out and check out our review of Bone Hill Road if you love practical effects and werewolf films. Okay, so the last bit before we hit our main topic. There are a couple of really fun Funko releases. You know, we cover Funko quite a bit. We, I think we have a lot of Funko addicts on our team. I'm one of them. And so we just love cover. But there's a couple of new ones coming out. And one is the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina Pop. It's Sabrina with her little cat. I actually started the show today. Jeremy, have you seen that yet?
1: Not yet. I've I've heard the cat doesn't talk, which is a little disappointing. But I've also heard the show is great. So I still want to check it out.
0: I wasn't familiar with the source material, the comic that it comes from. I was only familiar with the TV show and I didn't like the TV show. I actually thought that a cat was like annoying as hell. Um, so this cat, I'm so happy. It doesn't talk.
1: Oh, Salem was the best part of the old show.
0: Oh man. <laughs> um I I didn't keep up with the old show. I would just tune in now and then. And it just, I don't know. It didn't really appeal to me, but I started watching this and it's actually pretty dark. I thought it was going to be more geared towards like 15 year olds and in the first couple of episodes, I hear them talking about doggy style <laughs> and um, there's a lot of Satan <laughs> and there's murder with blood. I mean, it was it was pretty dark and it was a lot darker than what I expected.
1: That's a far departure from the Melissa Jenner version.
0: It is. Yeah. I, I don't know, you know, because I didn't keep up the show. I don't know if she uh, was supposed to pledge herself to Satan in his dark book or not. I don't know if that was a thing in the TV show. But it is in this show. So, But anyway, there's a Funko coming out of Sabrina and her, uh, her Cat Salem. I probably have to get it now because I'm addicted to the show in one day. So the other Funkos we covered this week are the Frog Brothers from The Lost Boys, which is one of my favorite vampire movies ever.
1: It is one of the best vampire movies ever. And I love that we're seeing more hero Funko Pops come out because we... We see so many different versions of the villains like Freddy and Jason. So it's nice to see, uh, you know, some of the good guys getting their own pops as well.
0: I saw today on Instagram a Funko version of David, you know, Kiefer Sutherland's character. And that's not really surprising. The Frog Brothers were pretty surprising to me because it's not they're not really characters that you would think about getting their own toys, especially in 2018. So, yeah, it was really cool to see that. And, of course, that, you know, they're the heroes. And, yay, a Cory <laughs> fun- Funko. Yes, please. <laughs> I'll take that.
1: <laughs> they look awesome. You know, I'm going to have to get those as well.
0: Yeah, they really do. They both have their fatigues on and, uh, you know, the bandana and the bray. And they do look really good. And that comes in a two-pack. So you can buy them together. Okay, so let's get into the heart of our episode here, which is the new Halloween movie. The new Halloween movie takes all of the sequels after the first film that came out in 1978, and it just says they don't exist. So this is a direct sequel to the first film, which people, it kind of took, I think, fans a little bit to warm up to that idea. I think that a lot of fans wanted it to be, you know, Halloween 1, Halloween 2, Halloween H20, and then this film in, in the sequence. Jeremy, do you you see a lot of people kind of saying that, do you think? Or do you think that people kind of took really quickly to the idea of all of these other films don't exist?
1: Well, I I did see a lot of people confused about the fact that they weren't siblings anymore. By removing Halloween 2, you take away that storyline. And Halloween 2 is obviously a a very beloved sequel out of the the series. So I think people were more upset about that than the omission of of H2O. but. I think by the time the movie actually came out, however, people were over it. People were really excited to see it, and people had you know, embraced the idea of you know, a new Halloween sequel.
0: Yeah, I was really surprised also that they took out the element of Michael and Laurie being siblings, because that's just so like kind of ingrained in our head, that they're siblings, and he keeps going after his family. Like That is just kind of what we know about Michael.
1: Right, because even in Rob Zombie's mm-hmm. reboot and its sequel, he followed that same storyline. They were... Siblings in that as well. So it's just part of the Halloween lore. So I did see a lot of people a little irritated that they were tossing that out of the story.
0: And they did mention that in the new Halloween movie where, you know, one of Lori's friends says, oh, well, you know, aren't they siblings? And oh, no, that's just a rumor. So they did address that too in case anyone went into the film not realizing that they were no longer siblings. But yeah, so we've both seen the film. And if you haven't seen the film yet, We're going to have some major spoilers, so please turn this off if you don't want to have it spoiled and listen to it after you see Halloween. Jeremy, let's start with what didn't really work for you. And I know that you and I both enjoyed the film overall, but did you have any issues with the film?
1: Well, what bothered me most was the twist because it didn't really make sense to me. It seemed like since they took the storyline with Michael and Laurie being siblings out, they didn't have any plausible way for Michael to head to Laurie's house where she was staying with her daughter. So when that psychiatrist had Laurie's granddaughter and Michael Myers in the car, he uh, revealed that he was actually evil all along, and then he drove Michael and Allison over to Laurie's house. It just didn't make sense to me. It seemed like they should have learned their lesson from when they tried that twist in Halloween 6, which I didn't care for then.
0: I hadn't really thought about it until you had mentioned it, that in this film, other than, you know, she's the survivor who got away, we don't really get the sense that Michael has been obsessed with her all of these years. They didn't really go into that. Like, he's not, like, covering his walls with newspaper clippings of her. Like, that just doesn't come across.
1: He's only finding her purely by chance. You know, he's just, he's getting really lucky. And I, I guess it's really unlucky for her but I mean, what are the odds she's been training for this for the past 40 years? And everything just happens to unfold so perfectly that he winds up at her house.
0: What do you think about when the doctor actually put on his mask? For a second, I thought, oh, shit, is Michael dead? And now the doctor is going to continue his work. I didn't know what was about to happen. But what did you think about that part?
1: Well, you know, what it reminded me of was Roy Burns. I mean, right? <laughs> and, you know, I almost had that same thought at first, too, like, is this going to be the new Michael the way you know, Roy Burns was the new Jason? But I was satisfied with the way that man was killed when um, Michael Myers squished his head completely on the ground. That was one of the most memorable kills of the film, at least.
0: You know, that part didn't bother me as much until you started pointing it out. <laughs> All of that kind of like, well, wait a minute. If he wouldn't have taken her granddaughter and Michael over there, would Michael have even gone to Lori? And would they even have a showdown? Probably not. He probably would have just kept killing random people around Haddonfield.
1: He wouldn't have wound up in that trap in the end, that's for sure.
0: You know, for me, one thing that didn't work was the entire opening. The two British podcasters who come to this mental asylum and like, they're just standing there, you know, in this weird (laughs) checkerboard of inmates. And they take out Michael's mask and he's like holding it up and he's just screaming at Michael and all of the other inmates are going insane. And Michael's not, and he's like, Michael, you know, and, and he's just taunting him with his, his Michael Myers mask. And they're letting him. And all of these other inmates are getting so agitated and going crazy. And I'm like, what is this? Like, what are they doing?
1: He said his friend from the DA loaned him the mask. Like would that ever happen in your life? Could we just go up to the D.A. and say, hey, could I have vital evidence from an old case?
0: We are podcasters, so we're technically qualified.
1: Well, let's go visit a murderer and taunt him with the evidence from his trial. See what happens.
0: I mean, I thought that was kind of ridiculous.
1: Right. I, I thought those two might have played a bigger role in the story, but I guess they were just there to get Michael's mask before they were killed off.
0: Um, is there anything else about the film that didn't work for you?
1: I do have some mixed opinions about all of the nostalgia in the film because it almost seems like it was nostalgic to a fault where pretty much every single death that happens in the film is a recreation of a death from a previous film. There are Easter eggs left and right, and we put out a a list of 20 of those, but that's probably not even half of all the Easter eggs that are in the film. You know, the most interesting part of the film to me was, was Lori's storyline with her, you know, 40 years later Mm -hmm. living as a, A survivor who's severely traumatized. And that was the one thing that wasn't repeated from previous movies.
0: Yeah, I loved Lori's storyline as well. And I'm really glad that they handled it in the way that they did because they made her a survivor and they made her stronger and more capable. But they didn't do so like in this weird, like superhuman way. Sometimes when you're watching a movie about people who are forced to survive, they all of a sudden turn from like these like weak people into these like almost like superhuman. They can do anything. You know, they can MacGyver anything that they need um at a drop of dime. Like they can just hurry up and MacGyver stuff and set traps for the bad guys and escape and survive. And and that's not what she did. It literally took every single thing that she had Over all of these years, all of her marriages, her daughter, her life, it took everything out of her to practice, you know, how to shoot a gun and how to set traps and kind of do what she needed to do to survive. It didn't just make her the superwoman overnight. It kind of, you know, she built up to it over decades. I'm really glad that they went about it in a much more realistic angle um, rather than, you know, just kind of snap your fingers and now she's super survivor.
1: I did love by the end of the film when she actually became the hunter, you know, searching through the house for Michael Myers. It was quite the change from the original film when, you know, he was doing the exact same thing to her.
0: She's the new Michael. You know, the other things that didn't really work for me as much in this film are just so minor. I mean, there are just little things that I kind of thought were silly, but they weren't anything that... I really had to dwell on. And one of those things was, you know, they had to take away technology, right? They had to find a way to take away, you know, an instant message and and a phone call and things like that, especially with the granddaughter. So her boyfriend takes her phone and throws it like in like pudding or something. Those are her photos. Those are her contacts. Those are (laughs) everything.
1: She just chuckles and walks out. And it's like, could you imagine doing that to not just anyone, but especially a teenage girl. What do you think is going to happen if you throw her phone into some pudding? She's going to retrieve it first thing. She's not going to leave it there, first of all.
0: I would absolutely be getting my phone out of pudding and wiping it down as best I could. I wouldn't just leave it there. I I would probably take it with me.
1: You could theoretically save it from pudding. I mean, it's not like you threw it in the toilet, you know.
0: Yes. So I thought that part, you know, of course, like I said, they just had to find a way to get rid of technology, which I get, but I just thought that the way they did it was like, oh, now your phone's in pudding. Might as well leave it there. It's only a $600 phone. It's fine. So I, I thought that was pretty funny. That was pretty much it. That really didn't work for me. Overall, I think that it really worked. And for the reasons that you already mentioned, with Lori being such a survivor, also, you know, like I had chills. Certain parts of this movie, when he put on his mask or when he gets down in the window and we see his perfect reflection It was just so amazing, I think, to see Michael Myers back on the big screen.
1: Yeah, and you can't argue with results either. The film is making crazy money at the box office.
0: It is. Yeah. And I am so happy. Not only because this means that hopefully Halloween movies will continue um, here in the near future, but also because we have had so many wins for horror over the last couple of years between Get Out and A Quiet Place. I mean, there's been several horror films, uh, Hereditary, that have come out and they've gotten great critic reviews and they've made lots of money. And what that means is that more studios are going to start looking at horror. And this is what we want. We want this genre in the spotlight. You get this genre in the spotlight by making money. So I'm really happy people are going out and supporting horror. Even if people walked away from this film not enjoying it, which a lot of people have, at least we're getting horror. and At least we're getting these iconic faces back on the screen in new ways. So.
1: And it just opens the door for more slasher films to come back to the big screen.
0: And, you know, since then, this isn't Halloween, but Friday 13th. What happened on Friday 13th? Jeremy, share the news.
1: (laughs) Well, apparently LeBron James is in talks to produce a reboot of the series.
0: He smells the money, (laughs) (laughs) which I, I love him. I think he's just a great human being. And some horror fans are not being that supportive of the idea because apparently they're not familiar with what a producer does compared to what a director does. But yeah, and so now since this has been making a lot of money, LeBron James is like, oh, I love Friday the 13th. Jason's my man. Like, we're going to make some money. We're going to make some movies. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> let's do that.
1: Yeah, I don't care who's funding it as long as a new movie finally gets off the ground.
0: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So, Jeremy, you mentioned that we had a list of 20 Halloween Easter eggs. And like you said, there were probably so many more beyond these 20. There's some really good ones on here listed. And so I just wanted to ask, out of all of the Easter eggs on the list that we have published and then also just, you know, ones that you saw in the theater, what were your top two Easter eggs that you just loved?
1: Well, the first one that comes to mind is definitely the Silver Shamrock Masks from Halloween 3. Mm -hmm. I'm a huge fan of the third Halloween film, so I definitely geeked out big time when I saw the the skeleton, the witch, and the pumpkin all trick-or-treating together.
0: That was a great moment, and it was such a subtle Easter egg. It fit in really well. like It wasn't forced. It was just a really cool thing to see.
1: Something else that comes to mind is the song that's playing in the car when the, the little boy and his dad come across the, the bus crash. If you listen to the words in the song, it says, I wish I had you all alone, just the two of us. Those are the words that Laurie sang to herself in the original film, which that's actually not a real song. That's something John Carpenter wrote for Laurie to sing in the original film, since they couldn't afford the rights to use any (laughs) real songs. So David Gordon Green went the extra mile by actually having a fictional version of this song recorded, placed in the film. It's not something I noticed when watching it the first time, but Green is pretty proud of that, and he revealed that later. I thought it was pretty cool.
0: That was a really cool find. I'm glad that you actually pointed that out. You know, one of my favorite Easter eggs actually kind of piggybacks off of the one that you just listed, which was when the boy and his dad are coming up and they find all the mental patients, you know, kind of out wandering with the bus crash. The first time I ever watched Halloween and I saw that that moment happen, it scared the shit out of me. I mean, it was just such a scary visual that he's driving up and there's just all of these people in white gowns just walking around and you didn't really know what they were going to do. You didn't know their temperament. And I just thought it was just such an eerie scene for him to come up on. In this film, that scene kind of gets way more bloody and way more violent um, and way scarier. But I thought it was a really good Easter egg, and I enjoyed seeing that again. The other Easter egg that I really liked, which had my entire theater actually clapping, was when Lori Strode goes off of the balcony and... While finding Michael, Michael turns away, he looks back, and of course, she's gone. That was an amazing throwback, which is kind of what, you know, we said earlier, where she is the new Michael as far as how she's surviving. I was hoping she was going to be gone when he looked back, and she was. And it made me so happy, and the whole theater (laughs) at Alamo Draft House was clapping, and I just smiled. I'm like, this is such an awesome moment. <laughs> to be in a the theater i'm not on my couch clapping by myself i'm here <laughs> yeah,
1: that got a big reaction in my theater as well
0: good it should have it was just such a great moment and you get chills and you just want to hug jamie lee curtis <laughs> right then and there you just want to hug her and and just oh it was such a good moment so like i said overall we both enjoyed the film right what would you give it out of five stars what would you give it jeremy
1: I'd probably give it 4 stars cuz I I did think it's a really good movie and I enjoyed it overall. The the problems I had with it were minor. They didn't bother me enough to ruin the movie or anything. So, it wasn't perfect, but I I enjoyed it a lot.
0: Yeah, same here. I would probably give it the same score. Um, I'd probably give it like 4 out of 5 stars. Like I said, I enjoyed it. I'm glad that Michael's back on the screen. I'm glad, you know, that it's doing awesome things for horror. And overall, though, I just thought it was a really fun Halloween film. I can't really say that it was entirely original, but I think that it was really well executed minus a few flaws. And it was just a lot of fun. So especially if you're a Halloween fan, and I think that it's going to get a new generation interested in horror and Michael Myers, which is awesome. You know, that's a good thing, because that's how we get video games and merchandise and more movies and all of the fun stuff that we want to have. So
1: I think you're right. I think it appeals to a new generation just as much as it appeals to the old fans by bringing back Jamie Lee Curtis.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. Like I said, I'm really excited to see what happens. I mean, all of these films, they, they just keep opening doors, and that's exactly what this one's going to do. So even if you didn't enjoy it, let's just enjoy the ride, <laughs> at least, <laughs> that's going to come after. Okay, so let's get into our Throwback of the Week segment, which is when we talk about something that has had a recent milestone anniversary. Since we're talking about Halloween and we're releasing this right around Halloween, let's talk about Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers, which turned 30 on October 21st. This is the film that brings Michael Myers back. After Halloween 3 really was not a hit with fans, they brought Michael Myers back, which hints the title, and the film earned $7 million during its opening weekend and went on to make 17.8 domestically. Jeremy, what is your opinion on Halloween 4?
1: It's one of my favorites in the series, even though John Carpenter is not there. I think it has a strong new protagonist with Daniel Harris as Jamie Lloyd. Um, Michael Myers is awesome in it. You know, even though people have mixed opinions about his mask, it works for me.
0: You know, it's funny that you mentioned that because people do have problems with his mask. And I don't understand why. It's like, have you not seen part five? This <laughs> mask is great compared to part five. So I, I don't really get that one. So Halloween 4 is a direct sequel to Halloween 2. At the end of Halloween 2, Michael Myers and Dr. Loomis both died. And Halloween 4 says, fuck that. We're going to bring them both back. Michael Myers has been in a coma this entire time. Laurie Strode dies in a car accident, but not before giving birth to a daughter who is named Jamie, which is kind of a fun throwback to Jamie Lee Curtis. While being transported in an ambulance, comatose Michael wakes up and starts killing and makes his way back to Haddonfield to his nearest relative, uh, which, of course, is young Jamie, his niece. Jeremy, do you want to talk about the ending to Halloween 4? Because I know you're a really big fan of this ending.
1: I love the ending. It's probably the the creepiest ending of the entire franchise. You know, after finally vanquishing Michael Myers, or so they think, uh, it seems that the nightmare is over. But back at home, back at Jamie's house... Jamie actually ends up putting on the clown mask and stabbing her own foster mother. And the film just kind of ends with Jamie standing at the top of the staircase covered in blood with a horrified Dr. Loomis screaming. No, no, it's, it's awesome. It's horrifying.
0: I love that impression. Of Dr. <laughs> Loomis. Um, I'm actually going to get you to record for me later. I shot him six times. <laughs> I shot him six
1: times. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm in the wrong field.
0: I wasn't a huge fan of that ending for a long time. I didn't hate it, but I just didn't have the appreciation for it. And then I don't know why. It's just all of a sudden I just went, damn, I love that ending. That is a great ending. Of course, you know, in, in Halloween five, they they say, no, they kind of did what they did with Halloween two, where they said, no, nope, not going to have that ending anymore. So what can you do?
1: Yeah,
0: this franchise really is a mess kind of overall, kind of no surprise, I guess, that a new filmmaker would want to say we're going to forget all of these other films in between and we're just going to focus on the main story here because it is kind of a mess, but it's a fun mess. Okay, so here's a little bit of fun trivia about Halloween 4: the return of Michael Myers. First of all, there was actually we've talked a lot tonight about Easter eggs in the new Halloween and there was actually an Easter egg about uh, Halloween 4 in Halloween H2O. There's a newspaper cutout that says survivor of Halloween murders killed an auto accident. As we just mentioned in part four, um, they killed her off in a car accident. And Halloween H2O kind of goes back to that. And, you know, she faked her death pretty much. So they threw in a little Easter egg. And
1: that's one I never caught for years. It was only until recently when I finally made that connection.
0: So another fun bit of trivia that actually ties into what we were talking about earlier with Sabrina is that the original Sabrina, Melissa Joan Hart, actually auditioned for the role of Jamie Lloyd. And of course, she didn't get it because it went to her sweetheart, uh, Daniel Harris.
1: It's interesting to think about, but obviously they made the right choice.
0: I know that you actually interviewed her for one of her newer films, I think last year.
1: Yeah, it was for her film Inoperable, which was a An interesting thriller. And uh, she actually revealed that, you know, there's a future for her if Adam Green makes more Hatchet movies as well, because she's obviously a big part of that franchise. And she had a bit part in Victor Crowley. So she's still busy in the horror genre.
0: People were very upset that she wasn't brought back for Halloween uh, 2018 because... She definitely could have been uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's daughter or she could have been a friend. I mean, she could have been somewhere in the film, maybe the babysitter who met her demise when Michael was hiding in the closet. And I really hope that if they continue to make films, which I can't imagine they won't, that she's going to be brought in because she's a fan favorite. Everybody loves Daniel Harris.
1: Yeah, people would love to see her as she shows up in the sequel in, in any way.
0: Okay, so that wraps up this episode of the Horror Geek Podcast Halloween Edition. Whole lot of Halloween goodness. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in, and we will definitely be back next week with more Horror, Geek, and Gaming. For more information about our podcast, check out HorrorGeekLife.com and click on the podcast link. Uh, we're now available on iTunes, Google Play, and most other podcatchers. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a review and subscribe. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at HorrorGeekLife. If you'd like to follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, you can find me under Horror Geek Mill. And Jeremy, where can they find you?
1: You can find me on those very same social media platforms at Slimy Meteor.
0: Perfect. And I hope everybody has a great and spooky yeah. Halloween. <laughs>